Hi, I'm Greg Jenkins, and welcome to this episode of my Pregnancy and Childbirth podcast. Well, today we're going to talk about planning for labour and birth. From my perspective as an obstetrician, I tend to try and keep the focus very much on where we are in the pregnancy journey itself, with one eye focused on the culmination of that journey being labour and birth. But I can very much understand from a woman's perspective, the journey of pregnancy is all about the destination, i.e. the labour and birth at the end of it. The first thing to say is that there is not any particularly right or wrong way to approach labour and childbirth. The approach you take should be something that you feel comfortable with, that uh, resonates with the things that are important for you. The second thing to say is sometimes there are events which occur during the pregnancy which will have a very strong bearing on the way the labour and birth is approached. So it's important to bear this in mind and any planning that's being done needs to be carried out with a degree of flexibility in mind. We're starting from the position where uh, we're assuming that natural labour and a vaginal birth is the goal of the process, but this will not be the case for all women. Some women, for a variety of reasons, will have a planned caesarean section at the end of their pregnancy. And for some women, this will be a matter of personal choice. And for some women, this will uh, happen as a result of medical necessity. Uh, regardless of the reason for a caesarean, there is no value judgment attached to this. And it's very important for each woman to realize that she is the primary decision maker in the choices that are made in regard to her birth. In this episode, we are going to assume that we're planning for labour and a vaginal birth. When it comes to planning, the things to consider will be what is important to you. Some women come to labour and childbirth with a focus very much on keeping things as natural as possible with a minimum amount of medical intervention. Some women come from a quite different perspective with safety as their main concern and wanting to do everything possible to minimize the risks associated with labor and childbirth. For other women, having access to early and good quality medical pain relief might be important. For other women, minimizing the likelihood of having a forceps or a vacuum assisted birth or an emergency cesarean section might be very important. So it's about doing some research and being aware of your options and identifying the things that are important to you uh, that will dictate the type of planning that takes place. Now this does need to take this this does need to happen with due consideration to any other medical issues that might arise during your pregnancy. So for example, if your baby happens to be in a breech position at the end of pregnancy, trying to come out bottom first rather than head first, that's going to have some significant implications in regard to the choices that are made. So it's important to keep the medical aspects of your pregnancy uh, in mind as well when doing your planning and your decision making. I think it is useful for all women to give some consideration to a plan when it comes to choices for care during their labour and birth process. I think it is especially helpful 
to, if you have a partner or a support person that's going to be there during the labor and birth to involve this person in the discussion as well. And that helps to ensure that you're both on the same page when it comes to um, decision-making points during the process of labor and birth. For some women, uh, it's very helpful to go through the process of developing a written birth plan. Uh, and that's one of the things that we'll talk a little bit about during this podcast. So what are the advantages of developing a written birth plan? Well, firstly, it stimulates you to think about the decision points and the aspects of care that you might want to make decisions or put planning around. Um, secondly, the exercise of putting something down in writing uh, provides a document as a basis for discussion between you and your pregnancy care provider. So I think it's very important that if you do create a birth plan, whether that be just something fairly informal that's in your head or whether it be a written document, that you do work through this with the doctor or midwife that's providing care for your pregnancy. There might be quite good medical reasons why something that you think sounds like a good idea for you may in fact uh, create a problem, uh, and in which case it's good to have discussed that before the onset of labour. If you are thinking about putting together a written birth plan, there's a number of different ways you can approach that. If you've been undertaking a birth preparation course, such as calm birth or hypnobirthing, they will often have templates that you can use. Uh, otherwise, uh, the uh, Westmead Hospital website under the Women's Newborns Health section uh, has uh, a very useful uh, birth plan template, and I'll put the link to that in the show notes. So to take a contrary view, why wouldn't you do a written birth plan? So one of the problems that I sometimes come across with written birth plans is that it can be seen as a directive of how the labour and birth process is going to go. Now, because labour and birth is a natural process and by its very nature is somewhat unpredictable, uh, it can be quite challenging if we come to labour and birth with a very fixed set of ideas about how this is going to work. So a birth plan needs to be viewed as a guideline, um, some, uh, some ideas about how we're going to approach choices and options uh, during the process of labour and birth, rather than a rigid framework by which everything is going to, um, by which everything is going to be followed. Um, so one of the problems can be if your expectations are that everything is going to happen according to your plan, uh, that can uh, create a sense of disappointment when things don't uh, follow what's laid out in the written plan. So I would encourage people, if you feel that it's going to be helpful to you to have a written birth plan, uh, that's a really nice thing to do. Um, and have discussed that, as I said, with your pregnancy care provider. Um, but finally, to approach it with a good degree of flexibility and look at it as a guideline of the sorts of choices and decisions uh, you would like made during the process of your labour and birth, rather than something which uh, needs to be slavishly followed. By discussing this in advance of labour with your pregnancy care provider, they can give you some 
um, idea whether there's anything in your birth plan that might be difficult to follow or might not be realistic with respect to your particular circumstances. And it helps them to understand the things that are really important for you. So it is a useful way of enhancing your care during pregnancy and labor. And secondly, if you do have a written birth plan, if you bring that with you on the day when you come into labor ward in labor, um, you can give it to the midwife that'll be looking after you. And they've got, they then have a good idea of the things that are going to be important to you along the way. And uh, can help you in trying to achieve all of those things during your labour and birth. So when it comes to planning for your labour and birth, one of the first things that you might need to think about is your travel to the hospital. So are you somebody who's comfortable staying at home during the early part of labour and using the things in your own environment, in your own uh, place of residence to help you manage the early parts of labour? And do you have nice support at home? So is this going to be a reasonable thing and a realistic thing for you to be able to do? And secondly, what's your travel time to the hospital likely to be? And, and knowing uh, traffic in big cities and particularly in Western Sydney, where I work, uh, it, the travel times can be widely varying depending on the time of the day, whether it be morning or afternoon peak hour, whether it be during the night or in the middle of the day. So this is a realistic starting point for thinking about the beginning of your labor and how you might like uh, to think about your approach to this. Um, if your pregnancy has been healthy without any complicating factors, it's certainly reasonable for you to consider staying at home during the early parts of your labor. And in doing this, you can be in regular contact with the midwives in the birth unit uh, by, uh, by telephone. Once you arrive at the hospital, you might want to give some consideration to what sort of environment you want to create for your labor and birth. Um, do you have any special requests with regard to lighting? Um, is there any music that you think you might like to listen to during the labor? Uh, do you want to wear a hospital gown or there are, are there some clothes of your own that you feel comfortable with? Uh, do you like the idea of being active and mobile? during the, the labor or um, does the idea of resting on the bed seem appealing to you? Do you want to immerse in water? Um, do you want to use a shower? There's birthing balls, there's TENS machines, there's lots of different things that you can use to make you feel more comfortable and more relaxed during the early part of labor. And generally speaking, the more comfortable and relaxed you feel, um, the better your labor is going to progress. You may also have some preferences around how the baby's well-being or heartbeat is monitored during the course of labor. Some women have quite a strong feeling that they would like to minimize the amount of continuous electronic fetal monitoring, or that's otherwise known as CTG monitoring during labor. That means being hooked up to a machine. Now, there's generally ways that we can have you connected to a machine if we need to without that limiting your mobility or limiting the things that you would like to do during labor. Um, and as I say, for some women, they're going to be very safety focused and are going to want to avail themselves of lots of monitoring. And for other women, that might not be what they want to do and might prefer to keep the monitoring to a safe minimum. Some women uh, feel more comfortable with lots of explanation around everything that happens during their labor and birth. And for other women, 
uh, that's not quite so necessary. So expressing your preference around communication uh, during labour and birth can be very helpful for the staff who are looking after you. Similarly, a birth plan is a nice way for you to express your feelings about your pain relief options during labour and birth. Some women would rather not be offered an epidural unless they specifically ask for it um, and would prefer to utilise a range of other pain relief options. Uh, so a birth plan is an excellent way for you to record your preferences uh, around pain relief during labour and birth. Your birth plan can be a good way for you to express your views around how you want to approach the second stage or the pushing part of the labour. Um, you might have a preference for certain positions or certain approaches as to how this part of your labour is carried out and your birth plan is a good way to express these things. Bearing in mind that labour being an unpredictable process, sometimes it won't proceed exactly as you imagine that it might. As the doctors and midwives providing care for you during your labour and birth, our goal is very much to minimise the likelihood of you needing assistance with things like vacuum and forceps birth. If you have a strong preference around uh, issues surrounding forceps and vacuum birth, then it's important to discuss these with your care provider uh, prior to labour. And it's also uh, very useful to document these in your birth plan if you are writing a birth plan. Similarly, we try and minimise the use of episiotomy. Uh, there's no evidence at all that uh, frequent use of episiotomy uh, is, uh, is a useful intervention. So you'll generally find that wherever possible, we will avoid performing an episiotomy. But similarly, if you have strong views around episiotomy, uh, it's very useful to document these in your birth plan as well. So along these lines, there are certain things that we will try and do if our aim is for a vaginal birth for you. We will do whatever we can to minimise the chance of you needing a forceps or a vacuum birth. We will do what we can to minimise the likelihood of you needing an episiotomy. We very much value the importance of immediate skin-to-skin -skin contact between mother and baby and whenever possible. Uh, this is something that we will facilitate and maintain. Uh, there is clear evidence around the benefit of delayed cord clamping. So this is something, again, that would be a routine part of your care. And if you're wishing to breastfeed, then early initiation of breastfeeding would be a part of your routine care as well. So you can specify all of these things in your birth plan if you wish, uh, but just confirming that in most circumstances, these are going to be routine uh, parts of your care. If you have preferences around photography or taking a video uh, during the labour and the birth and following the birth of your baby, uh, these can usually be very comfortably accommodated um, and uh, some couples I feel it helpful to have documented these things in the birth plan also. You might also want to include something in your birth plan in case the need to consider an emergency caesarean arises. Some women and couples have specific requests that they would like implemented if that circumstance does occur and your birth plan is a good place to document that. So along the lines of caesarean, we've talked a lot about the birth plan for a vaginal birth. But there's certainly no problem at all in creating a birth plan 
if you're a woman who needs to have a planned cesarean section. There's lots of things that you may or may not uh, be able to include in your birth plan for a cesarean, and it's important that you discuss this with your pregnancy care provider, uh, particularly in regard to any special requests. So you might have a preference for a certain type of music to be played during the cesarean that can be done either by headphones or through a loudspeaker system in the operating theatre. Um, you might have a request to be particularly involved in the cesarean, so that might mean dropping the screen so you can see a little bit more of the baby coming out. It might even be that you want to participate in the birth of your baby by cesarean and that there is an option to carry out what's called a maternal assisted cesarean where wearing sterile gloves you're able to reach down and help to lift the baby out of the incision. Now my experience has been that there's not a large number of women who want to pursue that option uh, but for the women that do choose to pursue it they find it to be a very meaningful and rewarding experience. You might also want to inquire about the use of um, photography and video in operating theatre. That usually won't be a problem, but doing extended periods of videography in theatre can sometimes present some challenges, so it's very worthwhile talking to your pregnancy care provider about options uh, in that way. Skin-to-skin um, -skin contact can sometimes occur in the operating theatre itself, and very often we will work hard to try and keep baby with you through your time in recovery if you're having a planned cesarean to create uh, that uh, extra benefit of bonding during that period of time, the close skin-to-skin -skin contact. And if you're wishing to breastfeed, that's an excellent time to initiate breastfeeding. So we've talked about quite a lot of things around birth plans. I guess just to sum up, I think there really is some value for all women in having a think about a plan as to how you might want to approach your labour and birth or your caesarean section. Uh, whether you choose to write a written birth plan or whether you choose just to think through your options and have a bit of a plan in your head as to how you approach them, I think either way is perfectly reasonable. There is an excellent birth plan template on the Western Sydney LHD website uh, and it's uh, www.womensnewbornhealth.com Com and I'll put that link in the show notes. So even if you're not somebody who wants to write a written birth plan, having a look through the template just to give you some ideas about options can be quite a useful thing to do. And the final thing I'd want to say, which I mentioned several times during the podcast, is that it's really important to take the time to go through your thoughts and your feelings and your plans uh, with either the doctor or the midwife that's providing care during pregnancy. And that's a really good way to ensure that everybody is on the same page when it comes to giving you the best possible experience and the safest experience uh, for the birth of your child. So I hope you found some useful information there. Please feel free to get in touch with us regarding feedback, suggestions, for future podcast episodes, and all the best for now. Bye.